Hello, East Brainerd Online Church family. And hello to all of you who, though you may have never been our guest at our physical EB campus, you've heard about this broadcast and chosen to join us. Thanks for dropping by our little corner of cyberspace. Now listen, right off the top, I need to apologize to all of you who tuned into last week's message. You see, last week I encouraged everyone to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches as a way to remember that God's peace and God's presence, well, they go hand in hand. Now while sharing this idea, I actually raised your anxiety level by placing the knife that I used to spread the jelly back into the peanut butter jar. Now I know that some of you were aghast that I would do such a thing, but hey, it was just my way of making a lesson about anxiety real for you. So you're welcome. And I promise that although you were shrieking in horror at home, no peanut butter was hurt in the making of last week's message. Now for this week, I've been asked to work ice cream and pizza into the lesson, but we're just going to have to see how it goes. I know it's hard to believe, but we began this series, Room to Breathe, before all of our current social distancing. And we started by talking about what ifs, what clinical psychologist David Clark refers to as looming vulnerability. We perceive a threat that's out there in the distance and we make it perhaps larger than it actually is. And we say, well, what happens? And what if the stock market tumbles or I get sick or I can't go to work or I lose my job or I have to tap into my savings? And it creates all kinds of anxiety. And like its word origin, anxiety takes us by the throat and begins to suffocate us. We feel enslaved by it. And because of that, anxiety begins to call all the shots in our life. You know, the Old Testament songwriters frequently use the word tazar to convey this idea of constraint. Though often translated as human distress, tazar literally means a narrow space. It's that feeling you get when the walls are closing in. It's the fat man squeeze at Rock City. It's all the kids being home every hour of the day. It's staring at the same four walls day in and day out. Now, maybe you've been living in this narrow space over the last couple of weeks. Maybe this has been your life for some time. If so, you need to know that the music of the Psalms is also filled with Tazar's antithem. Over and over again, the songs of the ancient followers of God ring out with a word signifying open space. It's the word Yeshah, and often it's translated as salvation. And it's the base word for Yeshua, or Jesus. You see, God's answer to our suffocating anxiety is to call us into the open space of His saving presence. Or do you think it's merely by chance that Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us? You see, there has never been a moment when we have had to face life without God. Now, I want you to take some time and just think about this for a minute. Think about this, how that there hasn't been a day, an hour, or a minute of your life where you were alone. It's Paul's main point when he tells the Philippians that the Lord is near, so don't be anxious. You see, since we're not alone, because the Lord is near and here, we do not have to live anxious lives. Now remember when Paul wrote the letter to the Jesus followers around Philippi, he did not use chapters and verses, and he intended the words of verses 5 and 6 to be read together, to be linked together like, well, like peanut butter and jelly. You see, true peace is only found in the presence of God. The Lord is near, so don't worry. Instead, live contagiously calm. It's why Philippians 4, 6, and 7, well, it's the most highlighted passage in the Kindle Bible. People want peace. 
And lucky for us, Paul tells us where to find it. You know, I was reminded this week that, well, Paul spent much of his ministry in forced social distancing. He wrote many of his letters while in prison or under house arrest. He was under constant surveillance. He had little to no privacy, and he had very little hope for pardon or release. Can I get an oh yeah from all of you virtual school dads and work-at-home moms? You see, even with the shackles dangling from his wrist, he was able to write, I have learned the secret of being content. Now, he doesn't say that he has learned the principle or the concept. Instead, he says that he has learned the secret. Now, a secret, by definition, is some piece of knowledge that, well, it's just not commonly known. It's as if the apostle asked us to lean in a little closer so that we can listen to him whisper something of great importance. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now he's got our attention. Now we are focused in. Paul has found the answer to one of life's most urgent questions. How do we cross the widest river in the world? Now, if that's not one of your life's most urgent questions, well, I beg to differ. You see, the widest river in the world is not the Mississippi or the Amazon or the Nile. The widest river in the world is a body of water that's called the If Only River. And we have all at one time or another stood on its banks and cast a longing eye off to the other shore, convinced that the If Only River separates us from a better life. And we are so sure that if we could only find a way across, everything in life would be better. I mean, if only I were thinner, I would have a good life. If only I were older, if only I were younger, if only I were richer, if only the kids would come, if only the kids would go, if only I could leave home, move home, get married, get divorced, if only my job wasn't impacted by COVID-19. You know, I wonder if you're standing there on this riverbank right here and right now thinking that, well, life would just be better if, if there was just one more if only, if only one transition, if only one new position, if only one person, if only one pill. You know, if you're standing there on that river and you're looking out over the if onlys of life, you need to realize that if only you get the new car, well, that car, well, it's, it's going to get old over time, right? Well, and if only you could have the baby, if only you could get the promotion, if only you could retire. In every case, joy comes and then diminishes. Trying to cross the if only river only leaves us wet and worn out and worried. It's kind of like ice cream. On a hot summer day, that ice cream cone looks so good, but it will melt away no matter how hard you try to contain it. Let me remind you of what I think you already know. There will always be someone who can do your job better than you can. There will always be someone with a better car, a nicer house, a bigger paycheck, a better online sermon. You're thinking, wow, Chris, you're really helping with my anxiety. Well, here's my point. Don't put all your hope in something that's only going to melt. Paul offers a healthier strategy. He learned to be content with what he had, which is remarkable since at the time he wrote this letter, he had so little. He had a prison cell instead of a house. He had four walls instead of a mission field. He had chains instead of jewelry. His happy was definitely lacking. How could he be content? Well, I think it's simple. He just focused on a different list. He says that, well, notice here. 
when it comes to his life that he had learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, whether with plenty or having little. He says it's all because that he could do everything through Christ who would give him strength. Paul's secret had nothing to do with getting rid of everything or accumulating more. His secret was all about viewing life, whether in times of plenty or want, through what he had in Christ. In Christ, he had eternal life. And in Christ, he had the love of God. In Christ, he had the forgiveness of sins. In Christ, he had communion with Father, Spirit, and Son. In Christ, he had the surety of salvation. And in Christ, he had open space. He had Christ, and Christ was enough. In this letter that Paul writes to the Philippians, there's 104 verses. And in those 104 verses, he mentions Jesus 40 times. That's an average of once every two and a half verses. Paul is constantly talking about and pointing others to Jesus. After all, he says, for me, living, well, that means living for Christ. His only aim was to live for Jesus. Riches did not attract him, even though at times he benefited from them. Applause did not matter to him, though he received a lot of them. The grave didn't intimidate him, though his life was constantly in danger. All he wanted was more of Christ. And as a result, he was content in Jesus, and his heart found satisfaction. You see, what he had in Christ was greater than anything he had or lacked in life. I wonder if we can learn to live with this kind of focus. Can a virus take our peace? No, because Jesus, well, he's greater than any sickness. Can loneliness take our peace? No, because Jesus will never leave us. Can disappointment take our peace? No, because even though our plans may not work out, we know that God's plans will. Sickness, loneliness, and disappointment, they cannot take our peace because they cannot take our Jesus. So don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, as you wrap things up, let me focus your attention on a simple phrase buried within this text. It's the phrase, with thanksgiving. As you spend time in prayer this week, make sure that sprinkled among your prayers, petitions, and requests are a whole lot of thank yous. Our current season of unrest can turn us into ungrateful, discontented people. Our prayers can begin to center around how quickly we want to get things back to the way we like it. If only we could go outside more. If only we could get back to school, back to work, back to the ball fields, back to the movie theaters, back to our friends' houses. If only we could go to Nana and Papa's, to Disney World, to the ski lodge. If only we could go to the beach. Our anxious heart prays, Lord, give me back everything I'm currently being denied. Let me enjoy again all that I'm currently missing. Is that how your prayers are starting to sound? Are you praying like a youth group orders pizza? Hey, during my 25 years of ministry, I worked as a youth minister for two years, and I quickly learned that I wasn't as cool or as impactful as Sean or Nikki. I also learned that you can't just show up to a youth group function with only one type of pizza. Oh, forget about that. You can't just get pepperoni and let the non-pepperoni people pick them off. Oh no, you have to get pepperoni and cheese only and sausage and something with everything. And no matter how many different types of pizzas show up, there's always going to be that one kid that can't find anything that he likes. Now, I wonder if that's kind of where you find yourself today. Are you that kid? 
Are you the person whose happiness is dependent on getting your favorite topping? Are you daily trying to cross that if only river? Are you unable to see the benefits of your current situation? You have a God who's crazy about you and now you have some extra time to spend with him. You have the living presence of Jesus with you and currently you have some extra time to be calmed by him. The anxious heart prays, Lord, if only, if only you would give me this, that, or the other, then I would be okay. The grateful heart says, wow, you've already given me this, that, and the other. You've given me Christ. So this week, don't keep Paul's secret to yourself. Share via social media, phone calls, letters, or texts that what you have in Christ is greater than anything you have or don't have in life. Christ is greater. He's greater than my disappointment, my bank account, my relationships, my senior year, my loneliness, my health, my worry, my job. Guys, the anxiety that you currently experience is real, but so is the peace that comes with God's presence. Christ is greater, so don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done, and then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything you can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guys, have a great week learning the secret of peace. We'll see you next time.